G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, you'd know that we often talk about unfolding events in the nation of Israel, where Israel fits into issues that are happening in the Middle East and how those things affect the world. We also like to talk about the Jewish nation and where that is today as God's chosen people, the people that God has taken as his own throughout the history of the world and where we fit as Christians who are detached and yet, as the Bible says, we're grafted into the vine. So there is a real attachment for Christians and Jews. Well, a wonderful opportunity today to talk about Jewish people and their faith and what responsibility Christians might have when it comes to our relationship with the Jewish people. Native-born Israeli Omri Yakobovich is joining us. He came to faith in Jesus Christ uh, back in 1997. Omri, welcome along to 2020. Thank you so much for having me. Omri, I didn't introduce you as a Messianic Jew or a completed Jew. How do you describe yourself? And and when you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, what does that? How does that look for a Jewish person? Uh, probably the best way to say is that I'm a native-born Israeli who came to faith in the promised Jewish Messiah that was foretold by the Hebrew prophets in the Hebrew Scriptures. People can call me a Messianic Jew or a Hebrew Christian. I don't necessarily feel comfortable with either, but both will be fine. Um, I think the important thing to to say that I'm a Jewish person and I didn't choose to be bo- to be born a Jew, but as a Jew, I could still choose to follow the Jewish Messiah. I think it sometimes is a fascination to people who are in our Australian context. And here we say we are Christians. We're on the other side of the world to Israel. And so to talk to someone who is a Jew who has recognized Jesus Christ as the Messiah, and we say, well, how does your faith differ to ours? And uh, how would you say, if you're if you're making some sort of comparison to what we're like down under, uh, to the sort of faith that you have and those who are like yourself? I think the, the difference is really um, Gentile, whatever tribe or town or people and nation they come from, when they come today, people are taught about Christianity as such. But for a Jew, probably uh, the, the thing is really to recognize that we, the Messiah that, the, that God has, has told us about through his holy prophets in the Hebrew Scriptures has indeed come. Uh, a Jew, when they accept the Messiah, they become, as you, may, as you have said, complete Jews. Uh, it is the Gentiles that whenever they come to saving faith, um, for them to recognize that it is actually the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, that they actually started following. Uh, at some point in history, the Gentiles have forsook their gods because there was a time that they worshipped anything under heaven, the God of the sun, the God of the moon, the God of the mountain, the God of the river. And the scripture says, you 
speaking about, about the Gentiles, you who once were too far away, you couldn't even come and enjoy all the promises that God gave to the Jews. Now, with the blood of the Lamb, you actually can come near. Uh, but we, the Jews, we were always nearby because of the Abrahamic covenant. And 2,000 years ago, when we uh, turned our back on our own Messiah, Yeshua, which opened the door for the salvation of the Gentiles. So when we come to faith in Messiah, we actually, we are returning home. As for the Gentiles, I guess it would be something a little bit different. It's interesting when you are a person who points people to the Messiah and say the Messiah is Jesus Christ. And what sort of reaction do you get in modern-day Israel when you start to talk about Jesus as the Messiah? And hang on a second, our forefathers missed the boat. They didn't recognize the Messiah. How do, you, how do they feel when you start to bring a message like that? Well, I think, uh, in fact, for me, if I had come, and because I was a backpacker here almost 19, 20 years ago, if you had back then told me about Jesus Christ, I probably wouldn't really listen much. But actually, the woman that actually shared the Messiah with me, she didn't talk about Christianity. She didn't talk about Jesus as such. She talked about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She talked about the God of Israel. She talked about you, the Jews, talking to me. She said, you, the Jews, are very special people to God. She actually used this Hebrew name. She said, Yeshua. Now, there's some, uh, the gospel the New Testament was written by Jews and for Jewish people first, and all the terminology is Israeli, is Hebraic, is Jewish. But today, um, the terminology uses is very much Gentile, you know. Um, I will, I'll give you an example. I was 27 years old when I arrived for the first time in my life to New Zealand. Two months later, that's when I came to faith. But when I came as a 27-year-old um, Israeli to New Zealand. I thought that Jesus Christ, I thought that Christ was his surname. I didn't know that Christ was a Greek word of Mashiach, Messiah. Every Jewish person, whether they like it or not, whether they believe in it or not, we all await the Messiah. We all heard that one day the Messiah will come. But when you talk about Jesus Christ, we don't connect the dots, really. This is something that the Gentiles are actually commanded to point that out to us, that you're actually following our Messiah. But today, with the terminology and the names, it's very, very uh, hard for us, the Jews, to actually to follow and to recognize. I'll give you an example. If you go to a mission trip in Fiji or Papua New Guinea or something like that, or you're not going to go there with a white man gospel, would you? You're going to make some cultural adjustments. Um, otherwise, whatever you will say to the local people who just pass through them. They wouldn't really connect. How much more so if you want to connect or to share the gospel with the Jews that are entirely a different cattle of fish? Now, we need to remember, when God led the Jewish people out of the land of Egypt, he gave a warning to, our, to my people. He told us, don't you follow the ways of the Gentiles and their gods, for all of them are wood and stone. Now, every Jewish person you will ever meet, we all know one thing, even if we don't believe in God, we know one thing. If there's a God, it's our God, not yours, ours. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel. And the difference between us, the Jews, and you, the Gentiles, being born into this world, that we, the Jews, are born under the Abrahamic covenant, which tie all of us Jewish people to one another. But more importantly, it ties us to the living creator in a covenant relationship. Now, we don't even know what it means until we come to saving faith in Messiah. But because of that covenant, we know if there is a God, it's our God. And on top of that, we have this warning from God 
never to follow the ways of the Gentiles and their gods. Where is the tragedy? The tragedy is that we, the Jews, we don't recognize that 2,000 years ago, we, the Jews, turn our backs on our own God. And that's when our God turns to you. The hardest thing for me to accept when I accepted the gospel was not the fact that Jesus Yeshua was the Messiah. That wasn't the greatest issue. The greatest, the, the, the most important issue probably was to admit that we, the Jews as a nation, have been led astray for some 2,000 years. This was not an easy and a small thing to swallow, I tell you that. There's an element of humility required, isn't there? Uh, Not only from Jewish people in relation with Gentiles uh, or Christians, but this this necessity for humility from the Christians uh, to the Jews that say, we're actually sharing your God, we're sharing your Messiah, because Jesus is a Jew. You touch on a very uh, important point because, um, see, Paul, whom the Gentiles so boasting in, Paul gave some great warning to the Gentiles. He said, don't boast over the natural branch. He said to the Gentiles, you're just a wild olive branch grafted in. He said, contrary to nature, meaning, of course, in a natural sense, it couldn't have happened. It took the supernatural act of the living God to bring the Gentiles in. And Paul said, don't boast over the natural branches. And for me, uh, also the scripture says, Messiah, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. If you exalt yourself, once you stand before the living God, you'll be humbled. There has been, um, I think that it's an issue that both Jews and, and Gentiles suffer from the same problem. Sin and sin leads to pride. And we, the Jews, we need to humble ourselves and understand that there's room also for the Gentiles. But I think the Gentiles will do themselves good when they understand that everything they have scripturally, they only have that because of what gave God himself gave to the Jews. And in fact, it's only the fact that, God, that we, the Jews as a nation, rejected the Messiah, which God used that to bring now the Gentiles in. But now the Gentiles are commanded to to serve us, the Jews, and to give us the gospel. There is a sense, isn't there, that we are required to, or at least we're very unwise if we don't listen to one another. Because, as you're pointing out, there's some things that we have in our Gentile Christianity which don't look quite right to you when you look at those things through Jewish eyes. And so we've got a lot to learn uh, from talking to someone who recognizes Jesus, Yeshua, as Messiah. Is there a lot that Jewish people can learn from the Gentile Christian that also can contribute to your faith? Or or really is this something that that Jews need to discover on their own? Um. Well, let's start with a call. Jews and Gentiles have different calls. We, the Jews, we were called by God to be a light to the nations, to bring the word of God literally to people from every tribe and town and people and nations. This is the call of the Jews. Uh, the call of the Gentiles is different. The call of the Gentiles is recorded in Romans eleven eleven. It says, salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke them, speaking of the Jews, to jealousy. We, the Jews, are called to be the light. This is not the call of the Gentiles. Now, um, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul is asking this question. He's asking, what then is the advantage of the Jews or what is the profit of circumcision? And in verse 2, he says, much in every way, 
Chiefly, Paul goes on to say, because to them, to the Jews, not to the Aborigines, not to the Maoris, not to the North American Indians or Eskimos or Zulu or Vikings or Japanese, to them, to the Jews, were committed the oracles of God. Now, I'll give you an example. Why do you think the 144,000 evangelists during the time of the Great Tribulation will be Jews? Because all the Jewish people need to do is just to recognize the Messiah. Once we recognize the Messiah, all the background is there. There has been, of course, it's important to understand that the, the scriptures are, are it's, it's a Jewish book. The, the Bible, the, the Old and the New Testament, it's a Jewish book written by Jews and for Jewish people first. And Gentiles who've never been to Israel. So if you've never been there, and the very large majority of people who believe the Bible to be the word of God never have been to the land of Israel. If you've never been there, you don't know the geography or the topography. Nobody there speaks Hebrew. Uh, hardly any one of the Christians know anything about the Jewish culture, maybe a little bit about the Sabbath or the, the Passover. Uh, they don't know really how the Jewish scribes over the ages used to, um, uh, what kind of methods they used to employ in order to make sure that they derived the correct understanding of Scripture. They just don't have this background. Now, if you want to build your building high, you have to have your foundations very deep and very wide. And the, your foundation is the Old Testament. And sadly, in Christian churches and in today in Christianity, um, it's not well taught. There's just not enough background there. And this is, this is exactly why what God has given to us, to the Jews. Now, you, uh, the Gentiles, have been given a tremendous task to provoke the Jewish people back to jealousy. And it's a hard task because we, the Jews, are hard and hard people. But this is, once again, is why God has commissioned the Gentiles. And for you to provoke us to jealousy, you don't have to necessarily memorize scriptures. You just have to understand the principle that everything you, the Gentiles, have is because of the promises that God gave to the Jews. And in fact, scripture says that you, the Gentiles, Romans 15, 27, says that the Gentiles are indebted to the Jews. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. Romans 15, 27, indebted to the Jews because everything that you have all the spiritual blessings came to you, the Gentiles, because of the promises that God gave to the Jews. And therefore, you are owed to give it to them in carnal and material things. I think you're called to provoke us to thinking more deeply about where our faith comes from and the context of that First Testament. We call it the Old Testament and what that means as we actually interpret those things as we look at our Messiah, Jesus. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. Omri Yakobovich is our guest. He's an Israeli-born evangelist, came to faith in Messiah while backpacking in this part of the world. In fact, it was in New Zealand back in 1997. We'll continue our conversation in just a short while. We're having a fascinating conversation about Jews and Gentiles or people on both sides of the fence who recognize Jesus as the Messiah. From the Jewish side, they would say it's Yeshua, the Messiah. We as Christians in our Australian vernacular, we would say that's Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Well, our special guest is Omri Yakobovich, who came to faith in Messiah 
while backpacking in New Zealand back in 1997. And he is neither what we would call a completed Jew or a messianic Jew. He doesn't see himself that way. He sees himself as someone who, as a Jew, recognizes Yeshua as Messiah. And we're talking through some things today and the way that we relate together, Christians and Jews. As we continue on, Omri, uh, when we've got this relationship going, you love this part of the world or you wouldn't be here in Australia. You were backpacking in New Zealand. You're in Australia now for a lengthy tour. How are Aussies responding to you when you have an opportunity to share your message about Messiah? Uh, well, it's not like they are flocking by the hundreds and the thousands to hear me. It's always a small remnant. Well, not until they've heard us today talking about these things. Oh, maybe. But that's, why, <laughs> that's why we come to the radio, you see. But, um, you know, uh, there's always been a small remnant. There's been a small remnant in Israel, and I believe there's also a small remnant in the church. When you look, for instance, at... Um, the time when Messiah came, the Pharisees and the Sadducees you would read about in the New Testament, they all were God-fearers. You know, they all feared God, and they all uh, were very religious people. They were all uh, they all rested on the Sabbath as they were commanded by the living God himself. Each and every one of them, three times a year, they went to Jerusalem. They went up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord there on Passover, the Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. But... Well, the fact of the matter is when the Messiah himself came, they could recognize him and he just passed them by. And I think that uh, you, uh, there was a small remnant in Israel. I believe that there's only a small, tiny remnant um, in the so-called church. Um, of course, Messiah himself also said that many will come to me on that day saying, Lord, Lord, haven't we done all these wonderful things in your name? But he will say to them, depart from me, you that works iniquity. I never knew you. So it's not like he knew them once and then something happened. I said, I never knew you. Now, whom calling Jesus Lord? It's not the Buddhist or the Muslims or the Hindu or the Jews, or very few among the Jews. It's under Christendom. So there's a great, um, I think that, and this is a question I often ask myself, if the Messiah himself would come to the church where I attend today, would I recognize him? Maybe he will uh, say, preach a message that will offend me a little. You know, maybe... Uh, he will rebuke me. Will I be able to then recognize him? And I think when we compare um, the expectations that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had in regard to the Messiah the first time he came, they didn't really match up with uh, the first coming. And I think that many Christians today, they don't really have the same, uh, or just like the Pharisees and Sadducees, their expectations do not really meet what the Messiah actually is saying. Now, so wherever we go, let's go back now to your question. This is just a background. Hardly, nobody knows me. Nobody knows uh, the network that I run. Hopefully some people do know God. And uh, we only get our meetings just sometimes a day or two or three, or, you know, in advance arranged. And sometimes there's only five people come. Sometimes there's 50. Sometimes there's 80. Um, but what we find is everywhere we go, People do come and say at the end, we never heard the gospel from that angle. We never understood. We never heard it from a, a Hebraic, Jewish, Israeli perspective, uh, which is so different. This is the angle that the scriptures were written from, you know, um, and, and people are quite, quite excited with what they hear. Let me give a website as we continue on, uh, hitinternational.net. 
uh, hit is a travel club, and we'll talk about the travel club shortly. But just to give uh, listeners a, a website to go to in case you're wondering where Omri is speaking over the coming weeks uh, that you might be able to link in and actually go and see him. He's travelling from uh, Queensland down to Newcastle over the coming times, so there might be a way that you can make contact. Omri, let me take you back to something you said in our earlier segment, and you describe yourself in a form of an evangelist. Uh, you're a Jewish evangelist, and you're pointing Jews to discover the Messiah. If you're an evangelist, you've got this appreciation of uh, the Scriptures, and you mentioned 144,000 Jews that we'd read about in the book of Revelation. Yes, they will not be Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses. Yes. Now, let me ask you about this, because I know that a lot of people would think through this whole issue. Are there 144,000 evangelists in Israel? Or is there a coming revival that will make that 144,000 a reality? Uh, well, that's a good question. I'm not sure that I can actually answer that. But, um, well, if you want to get into the rapture and things like that, personally, I believe that the rapture comes before the tribulation. And it's probably one of the things that the rapture will create, um, it will be used uh, to bring quite a few people to faith. And I believe that's probably the very large majority of the 144,000 Jews will come to faith through that. But it's not revealed to us in scriptures um, how God will really do it. We know it's still future. I don't see myself as one of those 144,000. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it will be those will be 144,000, 12,000 of each tribe of Israel that will miraculously come to, to saving faith in Messiah. And once they will come to faith in Messiah, uh, because of their background, uh, they will be able to go and preach it right away. Uh, unlike, for instance, if you're a Gentile who come to faith today, normally it will take you at least five, seven years before you're ready for mission. But during the time of the Great Tribulation, there will be that time available. Um and the Jews have all this background. All the only need the the only thing they need is to recognize the Messiah. They have all the backgrounds, all the history, um, the language, the culture. They just one thing is missing to recognize the Messiah. And once this comes about, um, they will be ready to go. How exactly God will do it? I don't think it's revealed to us in scriptures. So perhaps we shouldn't. <laughs> Look, the idea of being an evangelist to the Jewish people, uh, there is a sense in which we would probably here in Australia think that uh, you're probably a fairly much a rarity. There wouldn't be too many evangelists like yourself. Or are there? Uh, do we have a misconception? Do I have a misconception about the number of Jewish evangelists that are pointing people the in Israel to the Messiah? Well, there are definitely, um, there's a, again, there's a small remnant, always been a, a small remnant, but there's a few of us that uh, Jews who are evangelists and try to um, evangelize our people to the Jew first. It doesn't say to the Jew only, also uh, to share the gospel with non-Jews. But in fact, if you talk to me, um, you know, I don't. When I came to faith, the, I understood in an instant why I was born to this world. I understood that I was born to this world to tell my people, the Jews, about a long rejected and forgotten Messiah. I went traveling basically to find out what was my purpose in life, and in an instant, 
I understood it. And until today, there's nothing that I enjoy more than talking one-on-one with an Israeli, opening up the scriptures and showing them Yeshua, the Messiah, from the Old Testament. Now, by the way, this is a great um, test for everyone to know if you're, if you're able to share the gospel with the Jews. Without opening the New Testament, you're doing wonderfully. Uh, there's very few people in the church, sadly, that can do that. But if you go, uh, for instance, look at Paul, the apostle. Everywhere Paul went, he always went to the Jewish people first. Uh, but even though even though his title was a great apostle to the Gentiles, but I think in Romans eleven thirteen, Paul said that he was magnifying his ministry or his office by provoking the Jewish people to jealousy. But he provoked the Jews to jealousy through the Gentiles. And this is actually what I myself do as well. Uh, because my heart is for the salvation of my people, the Jews, and because, not just because I'm an Israeli and I'm a Jewish people, my person myself, but because I understand the greater plan of God, that there will never be salvation to this world without the salvation of Israel. The two are ties together, and most people don't understand that. But um, I actually reach my people today through the Gentiles. So we actually go just somehow similar to Paul, spend my time mainly with the Gentiles, opening up the scriptures to them, showing them their God-given responsibilities as recorded in the scriptures towards Israel and the Jews, especially, especially around Romans 11, 11, that salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke them, speaking of the Jews, to jealousy. Not only giving them the insight, but then also providing them the means how they can actually fulfill their God-given task and calling and provoking the Jews to jealousy. So it's actually, I reach my people today through the Gentiles. Now, this brings us back to the website I mentioned, hitinternational.net, because HIT is a travel club, and it's a mechanism by which you can connect Gentile Christians to Jewish people. Uh, Not that they can beat them around the head with the New Testament, but but so that uh, the provocation to jealousy perhaps will happen because Jewish people are exposed uh, to people who have discovered the Jewish Messiah and uh, they themselves have connected with him because of their faith in in Christ. I think that I believe that the provoking to jealousy bits for the Gentiles starts with the Jews, with showing them love and compassion and friendship. It's the little act of of, of mercy that is required. You know, uh, you must have heard people say it doesn't really matter how much you know until uh, you know we know how much you care. Um... And when you, sh- when you open your home, when you open your heart to, the, to people, any people, but let alone to the Jewish people, at that point in time, you tell them I care enough if I invite you to come into my home. Now, I am all for any sorts of ways to share the gospel, media evangelism, giving out tracts in the streets. There's room for everything. Scripture says preach the gospel in season and out of season, in context and out of context. But never in my life have I ever come across a better way to share not just your faith, but also your lives with anyone, let alone once again with the Jews, then through the gift of hospitality. The Bible highly commends uh, hospitality. It says that some may even unknowingly entertain angels. And um, see, it's the Jews who gave, it's the Jews who lead the world today in every area possible, apart from sports, in science and medicine, agriculture and irrigation system. The number of Nobel Prize winners among the Jews are unparalleled to the number of the Jews in the population of the earth. But this is not the greatest thing that we the Jews gave the world. We the Jews gave the world the prophets. We gave the world the apostles. We the Jews gave the world the scriptures. And above all, we the Jews gave the world Messiah himself. No nation on the face of this earth gave the world more than us, the Jews. In fact, 
I'll go as far to say that we, the Jews, gave the world more than all the other people combined. Now, if uh, some of us, sometimes, we can't really see what God is doing. But I give you all a tip. If we're not sure what God is doing, let's take a look what Satan is doing. Satan knows the word of God. Satan believes the word of God. Satan knows that if he's able to eliminate the Jews, he has proven that God is a liar. Uh, no Jews remaining on earth are going to call Messiah to return. He will never return before the Jewish people call up on him. Matthew 23, 39, he was speaking to the Jews when he said, You will see me no more until you, the Jews saying, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, um, and now if, if the world persecutes us, if it comes from ISIS and Islam, I can understand. But 95% of Jewish persecutions in the last 2,000 years has been done by the name of Jesus. Why is that? Because this is a name they need to call up for him to return. Christians who longs to see the return of the Messiah, people, Christians that want to say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, I think it will be very important for them to understand that Messiah will never return before the Jewish people as a nation call up on him. This is a, an important key. And once Gentiles starting to understand that, then we can start leading them to the importance and the significance of Jewish evangelism. I'm an evangelist to the Jews, not just because I'm an Israeli and a Jew myself. I think I never needed to receive a God-given love for the Jews because I'm an Israeli and I'm a Jew myself. But as I learned and progressed and matured more and more in my faith, I understood not just the fact that I'm Jewish, but a Jewish person, but the importance of Jewish evangelism and the salvation of the Jews for God's plan for the salvation of the whole world. We're talking with Omri Yakobovich. He came to faith in Messiah back in 1997. He's an evangelist to the Jewish people. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. Taking some time to check in on what it is to have relationship between Christians and Jews. An interesting conversation. Omri Yakobovich is our guest, came to faith in the Messiah, the Messiah that we call Jesus, that he calls Yeshua, back in 1997. And these days takes time to have this provocation of the Jews to come to faith in Messiah. And as Christians, we have a role to play. In fact, there is a mechanism by which we are given the opportunity to connect with Jewish people in a significant way. And we've been talking about the website called hitinternational.net. Give us a a reminder what we've been talking about so far as Hit International. It's it's a travel club, Omri. Yes, um, I myself, I'm a missionary to the Jew, um, but it's very important to understand that the hosting network itself is not a missionary um, network. It's just a travel club. Um, if, you, we, if we approach the Jews as missionaries, that will cause many of them to shy off. So uh, without hiding who we are and what we believe in, um, the network itself is neutral, and we actually invite every lover of Israel including non-believing Israelis and Jews. They can be Orthodox, Reformed, Secular. They can host in our network as well. So we invite basically every lover of Israel to host with us. But what we actually, through the mission side, we actually um, go around speaking in churches. I share my testimony from the scriptures and encourage people uh, to open their homes as a mission to the Jews. The purpose of the hosting network is to bring the Israelis into the homes of Christians. And once they are there, now you are free to witness to them. 
There's a big divide, isn't there, between Jews and Christians, and you touched on it uh, because there's been some dark patches in the history over the past 2,000 years, and and some of that would be disputable, and some of it not really the fault of people who truly are believers in the same Messiah. But apart from that, there is this divide, and even if it is a significant perception that Christians are are against Jews, then you've got a divide that you've you've got to overcome. And of course, if you open your home to a Jewish person, the Jewish person's happy to come and stay in your home and you're a Christian, uh, you've got a wonderful opportunity to make reparations and to grow a new friendship. Um, I think with every nation on the face of this earth, if anyone that has traveled and spent time overseas, if anyone will open their homes to you and say, you're welcome here, you will feel important and and, uh, and accepted and loved. And that goes to everyone, but especially, especially, especially to the Jewish people. And and there's a great distinction still with the Jews and because, once again, there's never been a nation on the face of this earth that gave on one hand so much to, you know, to humanity, but on the other hand that suffered so much hatred and persecution. No nation on the face of this earth has suffered so much persecutions. And we need to understand that 95% of Jewish persecution in the last 2,000 years has been done in the name of Jesus by the so-called church with a, church, with a cross and, uh, and the church behind them. And so this is really, because once again, Satan knows that this is a name we the Jews have to call upon, and he really made that name an abhorrent to most Jews. I myself, coming to New Zealand as a 27-year-old, at some point I received the New Testament in, in my hands, and at that point in time I thought that the New Testament was a Christian manual for the persecution of the Jews. But just the first verse I read in the Hebrew, Sefer Toldot Yeshua HaMashiach Ben David Ben Avraham, the book of the genealogies of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And I thought to myself, what is actually more Jewish than that? But beforehand I thought it was a Christian manual for the persecution of the Jews. Now what better way can anyone show their um, appreciation and love and support than by opening their home, opening their heart, and especially to the Jews and say, regardless of the fact that you are being hated and persecuted wherever you go on the face of this earth, in my home, you are always welcome. You're God's precious possession. You're the apple of his eye. And what we actually see happening as the Israelis come, because we're not hiding from them who the people hosting them are, but the main reason they come to stay is because of how much money they can save. That's the number one key what they come and stay with our host because it saves them lots of money instead of paying um, to stay in a hostel or in a camping ground. And the Israelis, as they come and stay, and 90% of the Israelis at least enjoy 90% of their hosts and vice versa. At some point, the Israelis starting to ask, why? Why are you hosting us? You're not Jews, are you? Why are you hosting us? With then, now, given um, the best opportunity not to try and convince them that Jesus, Yeshua, is the Messiah. Once again, this is not your job. Your job is not to convince us that Jesus is the Messiah. That's God's job, and God is very able to do your job. Your job is to provoke us to jealousy. So imagine when an Israeli asks you, why are you hosting us? If you tell them something like, you say to them, you see everything that you see here, even my own life and my own body, my husband or my wife, my parents, my kids, my job, my business, my money, my car, my home, the food in the fridge, even the dog and the cat, everything that I have, I received by the grace of your God. 
This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel. You may not believe in him. You may not believe in this great Messiah of yours, but he had already commanded me to bless you, his people, with what he had already blessed me with. And if you can see, you, they can't even argue with that. If you bring a Jew to a place that they cannot argue, you're doing very well. <laughs> now, hit is a little bit like... Airbnb. Uh, but in my earlier conversation with you, you said, well, hang on, we've been around longer than Airbnb. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, I think for us, we started in the year 2000, and the first 14 and a half years we operated solely in New Zealand. It's only in the last year and a half that the network goes actually internationally. But um, Airbnb, I think that what, derive, what drive people is actually an opportunity for a person to make some income, you know, a little business in their home if they have a spare room or a rumpus room or something maybe uh, like that or a self-contained unit somewhere. But, and, and that's fine. I'm not against that at all. We Jews understand business. Um, but w- what we're actually looking for is people that will be able to, uh, would be interested actually to invest into the greatest bank of all, God's bank, you know, and have maybe an eternal reward. Um, actually, is what we're looking for is people not necessarily that are looking to make a buck, but people that are looking for an opportunity um, to share their lives and hopefully also from the Word of God, their Messiah, with God's people, the Jews. Uh, The rewards will be eternal. God has promised, God has said to Abraham, He that blesses you will I bless, and he that curses you will I curse. Nothing greater than the Gentiles can bless us, the Jewish people, with than our own Messiah living in them. And what better way they can do that than through opening their hearts and homes and say to the people of Israel, even though you are rejected and hated everywhere on the face of this globe, wherever God has scattered you, in my home, in my home, you're always welcome. And you don't have to, to put yourself under pressure. I have to preach them the gospel. No, just relax. Enjoy them. Have fun with them. Be interested in their lives, what they've been doing in their military service, about their families, about their travels, what are their plans. Uh, when they go back to Israel, what do they want to study? What, what is it that one day they want to become? I believe the HIT Network is the greatest outreach on the face of the globe to the native-born Israelis. And you know why? It's because now Gentile people, even as yourselves, even people all throughout Australia and in other countries, that you can become missionaries to the Jews without even leaving your homes. Now, how exciting is that? (laughs) Makes it particularly easy, doesn't it? Yes. Keep on your lives, whatever it is that you do, keep the same husband or wife and job and church and and, and commitments, and, and add the hosting network whenever possible. We only ask you... Make yourselves available for hosting whenever possible within your uh, sphere of, 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 of arrangements. Um, if you get maybe 10 requests, let's say, for uh, accommodation in one, one given year, and you can only comply with three, we never look at the seven you couldn't take. We're very excited about the three you could. Hosting with us only mean, it doesn't mean that you have to take everyone at any time. It's always to your discretion to take or refuse guests, whatever your reason might be. You don't have to have a five-star hotel, you know. You only, we only ask you to provide the Israelis with three things, a bed and or a fold-out couch or a mattress on the floor or maybe even just a place where they can pitch a tent or park outside with a camper van. The use of toilet shower and a kitchen where they can cook. Anything on top of that is entirely to your discretion. 
but you're not obliged to feed them or to take them on day trips or entertain them, take them hunting or fishing or do the laundry. No. Just take it as simply as they, are, they can see to themselves during the day and just look for the opportunity when you can. And I think, I, I believe that, uh, from, and our, my, our experience tells us that 90% of those who try to host with us they find it to be so exciting. Many of the Israelis will even invite you when you come to Israel. You have to come and stay with us. It could be the start of something very good by way of relationship between those Jewish people and Christians here in Australia. Let me give you the website. It's hitinternational.net. Hitinternational.net. And I mentioned earlier that Omri is on a tour down the east coast of Australia and travelling down to Newcastle over the coming weeks, and you'll be able to get some dates for where he is speaking on the East Coast if you go on to that website too. It's hitinternational.net, and just great getting your insights today and uh, just opening up this whole sphere, this whole new universe of possibility when it comes to how we as Christians in Australia are perhaps a little different to what those people who have their faith in the Messiah in Israel are like when it comes to faith. Omri, just tremendous having your insights today. Thank you so much for being with us on 2020. Thank you so much for having me. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.